We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What is going on, guys? And welcome to another edition, my God, the 16th edition of the Roto Underworld Stack Fest here on Roto Grinders, brought to you by Player Profiler. I am, as pretty much always, your host, Eric Beinfor, and we have a special guest this week. A lot, a lot to live up to here. Uh, maybe not always uh, living up to, you know, the touting the best plays, but touting some of the grossest plays. Chase Vernon is stepping in for Matt Kelly this week, uh, obviously holiday weekend, so Matt is not here. And of course, as always, Dario Ofstein is with us today. We'll start with Chase. Chase is, uh, Chase is the new guy. How? Let's just, you know, it's a holiday weekend. How are you feeling? It's week 16. The season's almost over. There's weather everywhere. How, how are we feeling heading into uh, kind of a bizarre slate tomorrow? Dude, it's a time for presents, man. I'm ready to unwrap this weekend, man. I'm ready to go to town. I am ready to to open up this DFS slate and kill it. 
I'm just stoked. I'm stoked to be on with you guys. I'm stoked to be doing the show. It's going to be a fun one, man. I actually love these types of slates where they're just super, super gross because that's when you can find the values that nobody else wants to touch. I mean, back a few weeks ago before Chris Moore was actually, you know, chalk, right? Like that's <laughs> the that's the guy that I was targeted a couple weeks ago. I mean, it, it's the it's the gross plays that I love attacking. You hit it right on the head for the introduction. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I totally agree. And and Dario, the last time that Matt missed, I feel like we 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 really hit a lot of stuff on that slate so chase don't let us down today don't drag dario <laughs> I mean, and i down maybe hey. matt's been dragging us down so don't don't step into his role you need to elevate us don't don't let us know Last week, Dario, I mean, we were sitting there talking, right? And we were talking about Isaiah Pacheco. And I was like, dude, Jarek McKinnon is the play this week. Like, you got to get Jarek McKinnon in your lineups. We were talking about it on our show at 6 p.m. Eastern time, which you're going to see us or myself and Jacob Sanderson on there if you guys want to tune in for some more DFS content over there on Road to Wonder World. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this week once again. And hopefully I can, I can nail it on the head uh, for these gross plays that nobody else wants to touch. I, I do think, Dario, that Chase is 100% spot on. And honestly, I, I couldn't agree more in terms of when we get the gross slates. Those are the ones I like. And I, yeah. I do think there's something to be said for kind of this show is a little bit where we thrive in the chaos and the, <clears throat> excuse me, the grossness of slates. And we certainly have that today before the show we were talking through. Um, if you have not watched the show before, we don't really totally go game by game. We don't totally go position by position. We're obviously going to break down four to five of the the games today but we kind of are focused on these game stacks right where are the best environments to really load up say on one game and that's where these gross guys can really come into play and i think it's especially true tomorrow where you know we have gross games versus good games every week even in september but when the weather starts getting like this, I mean, I can't walk outside mm-hmm. my house right now without like almost getting knocked down by the wind and freezing my face off. So imagine two teams are going out and playing football in that and then two other teams are in a dome. Right. I think that this show is like a, a, a really important one for a slate like this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think like the you know, for example, we were talking about whether to even consider the Bills Bears game this week, <laughs> yeah. because I mean. The, the weather forecast right now for Chicago is saying a lot of wind, some probably a little bit of snow. And I mean, we know Josh Allen has a cannon of an arm, but this just feels like a maybe like 15 pass attempts combined between the two teams to me, especially they're playing the Bears who barely throw the ball at all as is. Yeah, that, that game, um, I think we will briefly touch on that one, maybe close to the end, but that's got to be like the epitome of this slate where the grossness of the weather in certain spots. Uh, You can see my dog is tired as well in uh, the background from all the cold, the cold weather. But normally we would be like, Oh my God, dude, how many Josh Allen stacks are we running? Do we need, we did this with the bears last week. Do we need bringbacks, right? Do we need bringbacks to our Jalen Hurts stacks? We'd be talking a lot about that game. And instead it's like maybe the fifth best game, sixth best game on the slate or something Mm -hmm. like that. So I think that makes this slate very, you know, peculiar. The one game that I think probably all of us agree probably stands out above all of them, at least to me, is is Chiefs and Seahawks. So we'll start with that one. Might take the most amount of time. Chiefs games always take a lot of time because it's like, of course, Mahomes, of course, Kelsey. Now what? <laughs> you know, like that's mm-hmm. what, and it has been, as Chase mentioned, two weeks in a row. Jarek McKinnon, the RB1 overall on the week, two straight weeks. Can't believe that's a real thing in 2022, almost 2023, but it is. And um, uh, we haven't got an official word right on, on Hardman yet. The wide receiver stuff is still really in flux. Obviously, Kelsey is Kelsey. Great matchup for Kelsey. But Dario, how, 
how are you kind of viewing the the Chiefs in this game? Because I think now with the emergence of McKinnon in this, where he's a little bit of the leader, but still kind of a split in the backfield, wide receiver rotations, Tony's back. How how are we kind of attacking the Chiefs when they're probably almost assuredly the team that scores the most points on this slate? Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, I think that the news on Michael Hardman has kind of I think there was I saw a report that he was trending toward not playing tomorrow. I know they were talking about week 16 being his return for a little while. And then it sounded like maybe it was yesterday, late in the afternoon or this morning that Andy Reid was saying that it's not looking quite as likely. So I think I was I was thinking a little bit that Michael Hardman might actually take from Jarek McKinnon more than anyone else because he gets a lot of those sort of schemed touches near the line of scrimmage. But it looks like we are not going to have him to worry about this week. I still think that, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster had a very good game last week. He just didn't find the end zone. And so that's why people weren't really talking about it. But he had like 10 targets, 88 yards, very solid stat line. And I think he could very easily have a big game. I mean, one kind of underrated um, narrative could be him. And I guess he was, no, I, I take it back. He wasn't at USC same time as Pete Carroll. But that would be funny. Uh take it forget scratch that <laughs> i love some good narratives i love some good narrative streets we've been hitting on way too many narrative streets in just like puns we've been we've been coming up with our plays based on uh how many passes you've in, in what, what what was it uh pacheco caught one more pass every single week for a month or something <laughs> like that and then narrative streets and stuff so maybe we can dig in a little bit deeper than that and chase maybe you can h- hit on something is there anything that you've noticed on the Chiefs side. I know, you know, you talked about McKinnon last week. We we kind of know what it is with Kelsey, although he's tough to fit. He doesn't project for a lot of ownership right now because he's not particularly easy to fit. Is there a way that you you feel like we can use the Chiefs guys to fit Kelsey, or do you have a preference on any of these other Chiefs guys, Juju, MBS, et cetera? Yeah, so if you guys listen to the Big Tilt, right, like you'll hear me, like Jacob loves his offensive stats. He loves, you know, talking about the targets earned, you know, the 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 volume that certain receivers are getting, the routes run. For me, I like looking at the defenses and trying to find like where you could attack, right? Because that's what offensive coordinators look at. They don't come out and they don't say, hey, like we, we have to run our offense no matter what. Well, some do, some do. I'm not going to say all, all unless you're Cliff, unless yeah, you're yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of the better coordinators, especially, uh, you know, with the the chiefs right they look to attack certain weaknesses on the field you know they they take advantage of certain situations and it's kind of funny because when you look at the seahawks they've played one good slot receiver the entire season like i don't think i've ever seen this before where we're at week 16 <laughs> and they've only played one good slot receiver like when you look at the actual schedule itself you see the lines on there but Amon Ross st brown was hurt outside of that they played chris godwin who ended up going like six for eight i think uh let's see 71 yards and a touchdown against him so he got you almost 20 points um, you know, that's phenomenal. Outside of that, Rondell Moore is the second best slot receiver they've faced pretty much all season, I'm pretty sure. And he ended up going in one of their games. He ended up putting up double-digit points. It was like eight for, for 69 yards. So if we can sit and look at the Chiefs and how they attack, typically when there's a team with a slightly less or a slightly more ad- advantageous matchup in the slot. Juju Smith-Schuster will, will typically play a few more slots in there. Typically, he sits around 40%. When we see that there's a weakness there, Andy Reid moves him in the slot, and we see right around 50 or 50% or so. So I really like Juju Smith-Schuster. He, we've seen the targets. We've seen the volume over the past, what, six, seven weeks now. Uh, he, he's a lock for me this week. I'm going to be having him in a lot of lineups, and I think that you can stack him easily with Patrick Mahomes. But, I mean, that's chalk, right? Like, that's that's something that we already know will likely happen. Juju Smith-Schuster will probably see right around 15% ownership, 18% ownership, somewhere in that range. 
Um, so for me personally, I uh, Travis Kelsey for me is also luck. Like it, it's very hard to get away from what I believe to be the chalk in this game on terms in terms of the Chiefs side. Like I, I don't want to run out, you know, like an MBS or like just try and take these these dart throws with some of the other guys. I think that the way that you get different this week is actually not playing Jarek McKinnon and trying it out with Isaiah Pacheco. Since we or we saw the Seahawks, they were great up against the running back. And then up at like week 10, something happened. I, I didn't have time to actually go in and figure out what exactly it was yet. But uh, after week 10, they've been absolutely abysmal up against running backs in the middle. Like running backs have literally been running all over them. And they're still somewhat poor. So they were very poor up against running backs in the receiving game, which is something that I love to study. And, and they still haven't been great. But teams have been able to run on them, so they don't have to to worry about the the backs actually catching passes because they're getting six yards, you know, a carry on first down, and they're setting it up for success in the in the passing game. So for me, like uh, Isaiah Pacheco, he's not getting talked about. He still had 86 yards last week rushing, and he has been seeing targets. Although Jarek McKinnon is is still my guy. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm still going <laughs> to be playing a lot of Jarek McKinnon this week. I love Jarek McKinnon. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL for 2022. But I think I might take some shots on Isaiah Pacheco to try and get a little bit different. Uh, it just depends on exactly how I want to approach it. Maybe I'll just fade Patrick Mahomes and think that they get up and they just end up running the ball and the Seahawks can't keep up because the Seahawks haven't been great as of late. Yeah, couple quick things, and then I'll kick it to, to Dario. Um, I hadn't noticed. I hadn't noticed uh, what you mentioned about the Seattle run defense, and I'm just looking at it right now. So they had a week eleven bye, right? There's maybe a, a smidge of matchup related stuff in here, but I mean, they face Saquon, they face the Lions, who can run on people. The Falcons just <laughs> doesn't matter who's running the ball. Apparently, they just run on people, right? And they 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 weren't an awesome run defense, but it was like maybe let's call it average to below average. Then we get the Raiders out of the bye. Uh, everybody remembers what Josh Jacobs did, right? 283, <laughs> 283 rushing yards to the Raiders, 171 to the freaking Rams, right? The John Wolford, uh, Bryce Perkins Rams offense, 223 to the Panthers, Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, just ripping them up. And then 170 last week to CMT, basically just, just CMT. So, you know, a couple tougher matchups, but still, this is also a tough matchup. The Chiefs are a tough matchup. And so I think that that's pretty interesting, um, what you mentioned about the Chiefs. I won't hammer anything more about Juju because he's also probably my favorite guy in this in this game, maybe even totally across the board when you uh, account for ownership and matchup and price and everything. But Dario, how are you? How are you? You know, I know you talked a little bit about it, but what about if you also want to, you know, uh, dovetail into the Seahawks side and, and hit on anything we missed on the Chiefs? Yeah, I think it's definitely like you guys are both on to Juju. I think that I like him a lot too. And then I, I think Chase is right that you should be still playing Isaiah Pacheco. Like last week, I was still on Isaiah Pacheco, even though it turned out to be another big McKinnon week. And I think they're both very much in play. Like they're both getting pretty solid usage. I think one thing that's interesting is Jerick McKinnon's snap share has continually gone up week over week. And We'll, we'll probably see it end up somewhere in that 50 to 60% range again. But I think that that's kind of has a lot of signal to me. He played most, if not all of the second half last week and the chiefs were kind of on the ropes. So I think that, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a matter of, I mean, remember in the playoffs last season, they clearly trust Jarek McKinnon. And I think that's still the case. They trust him more than Pacheco. So it could be kind of a game script thing where if it gets out of hand and they're like, okay, we just got to, run out the clock then it's Pacheco but if it's anything interesting then it's more McKinnon but yeah I think like you said good time to talk about the Seahawks I mean obviously they're missing Tyler Lockett this week 
and Kenneth Walker is still pretty banked up from his ankle injury. I think that DK Metcalf is obviously going to be very chalky. He's probably going to see, you know, most, if not all of the targets to the wide receivers. <laughs> and then Marquise Goodwin should be the one stepping up to take Tyler Lockett's place. But then you also have the factor of Marquise Goodwin is recovering from his own injury. He was questionable most of the week. So it's kind of, kind of a tricky situation. Lots to be nervous about with the Seahawks, I think. I will say it would not be this show if I didn't get excited for Marquise Goodwin this week. I think I'm contractually obligated to be excited for someone like Marquise Goodwin. We can't talk about Equinemia St. Brown and Khalif Raymond and uh, Josh Reynolds and all these scrubs all year long, and then an Olympic sprinter gets dropped into our laps against the Chiefs for 4,300, <laughs> and I and I don't get excited about it. But uh, uh, obviously nothing negative to say about DK Metcalf. I do think Walker is interesting, assuming he plays. I agree. I'm you know a little concerned about his injury, but the Chiefs can get punished on the ground and Ken Walker can punish people on the ground. If we would have said a month ago, 6,400 Ken Walker in the one game we're actually excited about on this whole slate is not super popular. You'd be like, what, what do you mean? We've been playing it. We were playing him in cash, you know, uh, uh, two months ago. So I think he's pretty interesting, obviously good one, but uh, anything else chase on the Seahawks? What are we missing? Yeah, I think there are a few things to point out. And I think there's a way to actually attack this game because how many lineups are going to see where it's going to be, Patrick Mahomes, Juice Mishusha, Travis Kelsey, they're going to run, run it back with, with Goodwin because they need a safe salary, right? Like that's going to be a massive play on the slate. Or we see Patrick Mahomes, Jarrett McKinnon, Travis Kelsey, Marquise Goodwin. Like I feel like that's going to be pretty much every single lineup that starts out with a triple stack is going to run it back with Marquise Goodwin because you can't play DK Metcalf with that lineup. It gets way too expensive, right? So that's a way to save salary. That's why I'm actually going to attack this game slightly different. Uh, for me, I actually want to run it with Geno Smith up against the Chiefs defense, which we know is, is poor to an extent. I want to play Kenneth Walker this week because we've seen Kenneth Walker start to get used in the receiving game uh, in three of the past four. And the one that he didn't get used in, it's like he was hurt. Like he ended up getting hurt early on the game. I know that he's dealing with back spasms. I know that he's dealing with an ankle injury. I, I know that he's uh, having a little bit of a tough time. But this is a guy that only needs – you know, 10 runs to be able to get you the, the efficiency, you know, to, to be able to have a breakaway run for a touchdown, to be able to have a breakaway reception, right? So even if he gets 15 touches, I know he's still slightly expensive, but I would like to play the Geno Smith with Kenneth Walker, Marquise Goodwin, right? And then run it back with either Travis Kelsey, Juice Smith-Schuster, and Isaiah Pacheco and try to leverage as much as I can off of what the chalk will be. Uh, you know, this is just something, this is a, a matchup or a stack that, like instead of like fading this game, because a lot of times I like to fade these games and just hope for the under, I'm just going to leverage and try to go to the complete opposite end and and play some uh, some Geno Smith and some Isaiah Pacheco, which I don't think we'll see as high of ownership. Yeah, I really I really like we talk about Chiefs games a lot, and you know it's 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 very it's very hit or miss. Last week was like a so 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 hit. Shout out to the MVS ceiling game with all of 11 points. Uh, <laughs> thank God he caught that touchdown, but. People cannot get their head around like playing these Chiefs guys other than Travis Kelsey. Maybe a little, right? Maybe now people will buy McKinnon, but people weren't playing Pacheco. People, even this week, I'm not sure that people, right? right I have all, every flex play, you know, every skill position player in this game sorted by projected ownership. Travis Kelsey is down, right? Travis Kelsey and Juju are down there, sub 10%, because A, nobody ever feels comfortable clicking Juju. Right. Because it's just like, yeah, he had a good game last week, but 
5,800, Juju, right? There's just guys who project better, typically. And Travis Kelsey is just a cost thing. Everybody wants to play Travis Kelsey, but we'll get to some of these other running backs, uh, mainly running backs, uh, and maybe a little Justin Justin Jefferson that are expensive. And so it's like, how do you fit an 8K tight end, right? I'll just play the, I'll play a 3K tight end, save (laughs) $5,000 and go get these, and go get these other guys. So, if we can find the Marquise Goodwins, the Isaiah Pacheco's, you know, the Juju's, um, those guys that can get savings and they correlate within our stacks, I think you can somehow get like every week we talk about this. It's like, what do you mean people aren't stacking the Chiefs? It's like, well, nobody feels comfortable clicking Juju and VS. Now it's like Tony, Justin Watson. We, tr- we try to talk ourselves into Sky more. That's not a thing. It's like there's really nothing to do on the Chiefs side for most people. And so, that's why I really, I really like them. I'll also add, I like the Geno side of things as well. Just to, that, that's kind of how you can get that savings, right? Um, Geno double stacks just look amazing to me, and they don't project as highly owned as I, as I would have thought that they would. DK will be popular for sure, but like, I, I, I just feel like this game is just a smash given the ownership I'm seeing right now. Am I missing something, Dario? No, yeah, I think we've seen much chalkier games on individual slates that are not nearly as clear of a smash as this game is on this slate. Like, you know, Chase was just saying he's not going to fade this game. And in my head, I was thinking to myself, like, you can't fade this game. Like, (laughs) this game is half this slate. And yeah, yeah, like when you think about it in that context, the fact that no one in this game is projected above 20%, no Chiefs pass catchers. Like, I mean, I I would imagine that Travis Kelsey or Juju ends up breaking 10%, but at the moment, they're not projected to do so. So, right. And even and even then, it doesn't run away from you, right? Yeah. Like your your example, both of your examples, when Chase saying like, oh, I'll fade these games or Dario saying like, oh, we can't fade this game. I think back to that Vikings-Lions game. Was that two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, I think it was, where the whole slate was absolute trash. Literal trash. Yeah, yeah. Every single we, – we, we talked a lot, and shout out DJ Chark. He went ham finally in that game. But we were talking a lot about, okay, everybody's going to play Amon Ra, Swift, Jefferson, whatever. How do we get different from within this game? That worked with Chark, but everybody played everybody. Like, Chark got, like, over 20%. Like, depending upon the contest you were in, it was like everybody got owned, man. Every single player in the whole game picked up a ton of ownership. That's not what happens in this game, right? This game, you know, you'll get a little bit of steam, of course. DK Metcalf, Travis Kelsey, people want to play those guys. But I just don't think it's going to get out of hand personally which is like that's what i love i I, then i then i want to i want to jam all in on the best game if it's not going to get out of hand i'm willing to eat you know that two target one catch mbs game but like i'm I'm willing to spin that roulette wheel on some of these other guys any last no offense any last other things or i guess we should say we did just get (laughs) the seahawks elevated wayne gallman and godwin egwebuke to their active roster feels a little not great for Ken Walker. So I guess we should talk about that really quickly. If Walker does not play and then anything about like a Noah Fant or anybody or, or a third wide receiver, Laquan Treadwell, like is there anything else? Can, can I just say that I hate Pete Carroll with a passion? (laughs) Like I hate him. He just came out. He just came out and said, Hey, he's looking good. He's right. He's, he's getting the, he's doing the walkthrough. He's going to be part of our game plan this week. I hate him so much with like a passion. Every ounce of my body hates Pete Carroll <laughs> when it comes to figuring out DFS freaking lineups because we're, we're seeing Kenneth Walker, right? He's coming out and he's, he's running 20 plus routes per game. 
right? And, and the guy who's kind of the release valve for this offense because they send their tight ends downfield, right, is Tyler Lockett. Well, Tyler Lockett's not there. So Kenneth Walker could be that guy if he sees the touches. I really want to play, you know, Kenneth Walker, like, really bad. I just hope that he actually plays. Uh, it's it's terrible. Yeah, I think that um, on the Noah Fant note, he was questionable too. He had, I guess he didn't right. practice. <clears throat> Saturday really messes the Saturday games really mess with everything because instead of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we practice injury reports. We're getting Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but he <laughs> didn't practice Tuesday, Wednesday, limited Thursday, which is not great. But they're saying he's probable to they're saying he's you know trending toward playing. And then I think that if he had gone on to miss this game, I would definitely be interested in some Will Disley. I think that maybe Noah Fant can still get there for you anyway. I'm trying to think i can't remember if this knee injury for fant is something new or if it's been lingering but it looks like it was something new he picked up because i don't see him on last week's injury report for the seahawks so that's kind of um i don't know i i don't i feel pretty uneasy about fant or disley given the uncertainty there i think that you probably like if you're stacking Gino, you probably do want to roll the dice on them a little bit just because mm-hmm. I think the the absence of Tyler Lockett is going to open up a lot of things and someone could step up and take those targets. But I, I don't think you're playing more than just like a sprinkle of Fant or Disley. I think it's, to put a bow on it I, for me, definitely Fant would be my last priority amongst, let's just assume now in this instance that Ken Walker plays. Uh, Metcalf, Goodwin, and Walker would definitely be the priorities for me from Seattle, obviously Gino. But I do think there's some interesting things you can do from a roster construction perspective, which we'll get into, again, some of these other guys we want to play in these other games, particularly this next game, where if Noah Fant can just do what he did last week, basically, right, what, five for 60 and a touchdown or whatever it was, something like that, and you get it for 3,400, even if Kelsey does his 25-point game or whatever, now you can get like your Geno double stack with Metcalf. You can get easily get Juju. You want Justin Jefferson. You want Derrick Henry. You want Christian McCaffrey. You can get those guys when you when you kind of go that route. So I would be mixing some of those in. But again, the priority for me is kind of all the other guys. Let's pivot to this next game. No weather. Shout out to uh, a freaking team who lives in a winter wonderland that has a dome. God bless them. Uh, these other freaking franchises are absolutely killing me uh outside i mean you know it's not the 1930s we don't have to stick to those those old traditions when we wore leather helmets to play so minnesota indoors against the giants minnesota last week for anyone that you know somehow missed one of the craziest games i've ever watched in my entire life came back from 33 points down at halftime to win cousins goes nuts jefferson goes nuts dalvin cook goes nuts everybody but tj hawkinson Pretty much KJ Osborne career game. And now they get the Giants. Pretty brutal defense on the Giants. Um, and the Vikings have a defense that's very attackable. However, the Giants are this like, it's like the Texans the last couple of weeks at wide receiver. I don't mm-hmm. want to click any of these. Dude. Like, I, we're, we're really going to sit here and talk about Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James and, you know, Darius Slayton in this offense. And so there's this thing I'm trying to have you guys figure out for me is at what point, you know, with some ownership on these guys, do we really want to dive into some of the giants? Are we just kind of like, Hey, Saquon season, how are you approaching uh, uh, chase? How are you approaching this one? 
Oh man, I, I think we have some uh, some news coming in that I, I got to look real? up here in a second. I I was just seeing that. That's crazy. I was just trying to look it up, but you you hopped over to me on this one. Um, personally, like I, I want to play the the running backs in this game big time. Like I want to play the Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, when we talk about the Giants, they've been pretty good on the outside this far in the season, but up against the running back as of late, they've allowed 110 yards rushing. They've allowed 177 yards rushing, 136 yards rushing, 152 yards rushing. 150 yards rushing 96 i mean it's like literally like they're getting to to double or triple digits very easily uh for the running back position dalvin cook is somebody that although i think that that he will see some sort of ownership i think the majority of it is going to be on like justin jefferson right just because mm -hmm. he's been so dominant as of late and he's been utilized no matter what now that doesn't mean that i don't want to play justin jefferson but at the same time, like, I, I think I want to like try to leverage the, the actual game plan and, and hope that it's a slower pace of play type game uh, just to kind of fade the options in the receiving side. Uh, meanwhile, I, I really do like Isaiah Hodgins. I, I liked him coming out of college. I thought that I, I liked him more than Gabriel Davis when the Bills ended up taking him around later because I thought that they had similar profiles. But Hodgins was a lot more dominant in the red zone. The Giants have seen this, right? The Giants have utilized him in the red zone and, and when they end up getting close. And uh, he's come down, I believe, with, with two receiving touchdowns thus far in the season. He's had, uh, I believe, over 40 yards or, or 35 yards, I think, in the past three contests with at least four receptions. It's not great numbers, but when we talk about his pricing at, at 4K or maybe 4,100, I, I think that we're going to see this guy – really start to excel as they continue to utilize him uh, more and more in their offense. I mean, he hasn't let him down. He's pretty much caught, I believe, almost every ball that's been catchable or came his way thus far in the season. Yeah, he's just – he's the antithesis of the guy he replaced, Kenny, Kenny Galladay. Yeah. You know, Kenny Galladay drops everything, is you know maybe not in shape, not trying as hard or whatever, and it's just – he's not the world's best player, but he's an NFL-level player player and he's yeah. working his ass off and he's doing he's doing his job i do think he's the most interesting guy for me out of the giants uh receiving core because like you said once once you kind of prove out a skill this is kind of like a a, a macro level thing that i believe in and i, I believe that his goal line-esque role is like something that has been proven out on this particular Giants team. You know, if he was playing with Justin Jefferson and and these other guys maybe it would be different. But on this particular Giants team, he's kind of proven to be that guy down there. And at 4,100 on a slate where we're looking for that, right? Where we, we need one of those guys. So we talked about Marquise Goodwin a bunch because there's not a lot down there. And this is one of the games we want to attack. And it's a defense we want to attack uh, with the Vikings pass defense just getting lit up frequently. So Dario, who, you know, you can talk more about Isaiah Hodgins if we're just going to have an Isaiah Hodgins love fest. He seems to fit the mold of someone we would have a love fest about on this show, for being totally honest, uh, subbing in for the Khalif Raymond, the Khalif Raymond Award. That's what we're going to call it. That's a, the <laughs> weekly. Who is our weekly Khalif weekly Raymond? Khalif Raymond Award. Is, uh, is, is Isaiah Hodgins. But uh, talk, we'll get into the, the Vikings, but I think the Giants are the most interesting part. What's your what's your take on them? Yeah, I think, you know, taking a quick look at ownership and past usage, it, it's been kind of a weird situation where like Richie James fluctuated from being like their default wide receiver one early in the season. He had a week or two where he was chalky. He kind of fell off the map completely in these last couple of weeks. It's really just been that trio of, like you guys said, Richie James, Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins. I think looking at salary and ownership, I'm probably with you guys that Isaiah Hodgins looks like the play this week. I, I don't think that I would get behind the Darius Slayton, you know, chalk. I think that 15, 
5% probably going to end up upwards of that for, you know, he, he's been, he's been all right. Like we're talking about a 21% target share across the last five games, but you have to keep in mind the quality of those targets is not going to be very good. And he's kind of climbing up there in price now. I mean, 5,200 is still a lot more expensive than Hodgins or Richie James are right now. So I think, I have a little bit of a hard time getting behind Slayton when you can pivot to Hodgins. And yeah, I I think I'm basically in agreement with you guys here. And I just pulled this up, so I figured I might as well throw it out there. But in the last five games, they've given four red zone targets to Richie James and three to Isaiah Hodgins, while Darius Slayton has had none. So for whatever reason, it does seem like they do trust um, those other two guys a little bit more in the red zone. Could just be, I mean, obviously it's a little fluky. But for what it's worth, he's okay, seen a seventeen percent target share in the red zone right now. Like, or he—that's like his his rate is sitting at seventeen percent when Isaiah Hodgins is running routes. Like, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy how this guy went from literally practice squad to being a major threat in the red zone. I think that um, this game might even be more interesting for roster construction because of a lot of what you said. I mean, basically any of these Giants pass catchers, you can talk yourself into it, right? We could even talk about Daniel Bellinger, who is like, look, is he, you know, some superstar? No, but he's a pretty decent athlete and he's playing and he's running routes, right? Again, in a good matchup in a dome for 3,300. What, like, we can't ask for much more than that at the tight end position. I've played worse than that at the tight end position, you know, this year. All these Giants are really appealing, but what I hate doing, it's not that I don't want to play those guys because of some of the things that they do, but just being like, that guy's cheap and he has opportunity. That's what becomes the, well, we talked about Chris Moore last week, right? We mm-hmm. talked about all Philip Dorsett. We spent a lot of time talking about Texans guys. And it's like, well, they have all the opportunity, but you know, this offense isn't going to throw that much. They're not going to throw downfield a lot either. It's kind of a mess. So there's one dude who I do feel good about playing based on who he is as an actual NFL football player. And that's Saquon Barkley. And Saquon looks to me kind of like maybe even my favorite play in this whole game. I love Justin Jefferson. I love Dalvin cook, blah, blah, blah. But Saquon, projects almost as well as those other top backs, which we will definitely talk about King Henry and such, but he's just getting a little bit less ownership because it's like, look, if I'm going to pick an eight K running back, I'm going to pick Derrick Henry or CMC Saquon just falls behind and he hasn't had that 35 point game or whatever, at least not in a while, but it it's in his bag. He's still got it. They're playing for the playoffs, dude. Saquon ain't leaving the field unless he needs a sip of water. So like he, he, he is a little under owned to me on the Giants side. Uh, Chase, what do you think about Saquon? I mean, Saquon for me is an, is an absolute lock. I, I don't really know how, like, if you're going to play this game, I don't know how you don't get Saquon Barkley in there. Uh, Minnesota's been meh up against, you know, running backs thus far in the season. Uh, they just allowed uh, Deion Jackson and Zach Moss combined <laughs> to put up 136 yards. Uh, you know, they, they've been, I'm not going to say they've been terrible, right? Because they've actually been okay. But when they end up facing good running backs, typically they end up giving away points like they're, they're candy, essentially. You know, it's the season of giving. <laughs> We're going to see them do it again uh, this I week like with, with Saquon Barkley. Now, he's not going to be a lock, right, for me. Like, I'm not going to play him. It's just if I'm playing this game, I, I feel like I have to get him into my lineups to some extent. Uh, it's just figuring out the combination of players that I want to try and go at this because I like Dalvin Cook a lot. He's probably one of my favorite plays. Probably my favorite play in this game is, is Dalvin Cook. Uh, do I want to play two running backs in the same game? Eh, that scares me a little bit because of the pace of play. Uh, meanwhile, we have, 
you know, it, one touchdown could end up getting vulture. We just talked about Isaiah Hodgins, who's getting targets in the red zone. Daniel Bellinger is getting targets in the red zone. He didn't see one last week, but he's seeing like, you know, almost one per game or so uh, when he's healthy. And we just saw Dawson Knox do work up against these guys. And Dawson Knox was close to getting a touchdown and he would have been a slate breaker. So like, you know, do I want to take a chance? Do I think it's going to be a high scoring game? If so, then I have to fade uh, um, Dalvin Cook, right? And then I have to go with like Justin Jefferson and get somebody receiving because unless we're going to see breakaway run after breakaway run, it, it could end up just being a, a messy overall game and a dump. So it just doesn't fit the correlation that I want to play in my lineup. So I do like him this week. I'm not saying I don't. I think he's a good play, but the way that I want to attack this game doesn't involve him as much. I'd much rather play like Dalvin Cook and then try to get Daniel Bellinger and Isaiah Hodgins and, and hope that Daniel Jones throws for a couple of touchdowns as cheap options. And then I can go to a completely different game and work on stacks from a, from a different game. So this is kind of my area. This is my game that I want to try to use the cheaper gross options and try to find you know price breaks to be able to play some of the more expensive stacks. Yeah, yeah this it's team good... does feel pretty skinny stacky. I mean, you're not exactly dying to play Kirk Cousins. You're definitely not <laughs> touching Daniel Jones. I mean, that's like that would be the most galaxy brain thing to do on this slate. Probably is like double stack Daniel Jones with Richie James and I was gonna bring Isaiah that, Hodgins. You or know, yeah, that's how you know it's really galaxy brained out. As I was like <laughs> when we were gonna close out up. To be fair, if you want to get all these up, you want Dalvin, you want CMC, you want these other guys, it is a crazy cheap thing to do, and they do all project well, too. Now, you're not getting an ownership discount on them either, so it's, it's like I still prefer the Geno stacks to, to Daniel. I mean, shocker, a, a DK Metcalf, <laughs> and, uh, an Olympic sprinter stack is a little bit better than Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins, but I think like if I were running 150, it's not like something I would X out, basically, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And then I think interesting, we haven't really talked about the Vikings secondary pass catchers, yeah. right? Between KJ Osborne, Adam Thielen, and TJ Hawkinson. We've seen that TJ Hawkinson has gotten a ton of opportunity lately, but he hasn't been particularly efficient with it. Like he's kind of proving yet again that he's not great at turning expected fantasy points into real life actual fantasy points. And then I'm looking at except when the ownership I fade him when he's 40% owned. Except when I fade him when he's 40% owned. That's when, <laughs> oh, look, you remembered how to play football. It's the Mackey Award winner on that day, just that day only. Then I play him and it's six catches for 30 yards. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not tilted about it still or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course not. Um, and then I think that it's interesting that KJ Osborne is lower owned than Adam Thielen despite being cheaper. I mean, are people forgetting that we just saw him get like was it 11 targets for eight and 150? Like, I think that there's so, no, it was 16, 16 targets. Jesus. Yeah. Um. So I think that, I mean, th- roll the dice on KJ Osborne before you roll him on Adam Thielen. In my opinion, he's cheaper uh, Os- and lower. Osborne, Osborne feels like the Evan Ingram type situation where he had the career game. No one is expecting him to have another game like that. But everybody just like writes it off completely, right? And mm-hmm. so I want to live in that spot where you just said, like, I don't want to say, oh, that was a fluke. I'm not even going to worry about KJ Osborne because that's what everybody's saying. And it's like, what if he's just like this, the wide receiver two on the Vikings in one of the best games we want to target? Like, that seems like a reasonable guy to have in some lineups. Mm-hmm. He's not a lot, right? He's not some lock or whatever. But like Evan Ingram last week projected fine. Was in, the, was in uh, maybe our favorite game, cheap tight end. It's like we should play a little bit of that dude. But the bias of like the he can't score 35 fantasy points again, you know, that was crazy. 
like keeps people from even playing him at all when it when it makes sense. Uh, anything else on the Vikings? We really haven't talked about Justin Jefferson. A little bit of Dalvin Cook. How much Justin Jefferson? Right. Um, how else do we approach the Vikings? I mean, honestly, like you got to look at at the slot snaps. And KJ Osborne played thirty seven snaps out of the slot last week. Uh, week before that, he was sitting at let me see. Uh, 21, 15, 14. Like, he's getting snaps in the slot. I know they like to work Justin Jefferson into the slot. I know they like to work Adam Thielen in the slot. But K.J. Osborne is that slot guy. And that is that is where the Giants uh, sacrifice the most yards, right? They end up getting beat in the slot and underneath routes. Uh, we saw it with Jahan Dotson a little bit. He got mixed in. Terry McLaurin's done it out of the slot. We saw um, C.D. Lamb do it out of the slot a little bit. Like, you know, these are guys that don't really play out of the slot entirely. They move around a lot. So somebody like K.J. Osborne who gets moved in and out of the slot and their defense doesn't really adjust to it because of, you know, how they're going about it. Like, that could actually be a recipe for success for K.J. Osborne. You know, I can't expect the, the 35 points again, but, you know, <laughs> you can expect, like, I don't know, you could, you could probably get you to 15 to 20, I, I would think, pretty easily. Like, that's – I would probably have him in a uh, – if I had a, the projections up, which I don't right now, I think I have them around like 12 projected fantasy points. Uh, I could see him getting you to 15 or 20. And honestly, like it's not even that gross. Like it's a pretty easy route to success. It just depends on how much they run the ball versus passing. And if the Minnesota Vikings end up getting up in this game, you know, they're not, he's just not going to see the targets necessary. So it, it really depends. Like if you play the Saquon Barkley side of this, because you think that the Giants are going to be up, you know, Saquon Barkley busts a big one. Like he's a great yeah guy to to go back to and to run it back uh to to have that option if you don't want to play justin jefferson which i don't know why you'd ever not want to but you know like <laughs> i i get that like if, if there's a game script involved where saquon barkley is going to be successful because of the running game which is possible then then i would run it back with with kj osborne take some shots i would run it back with justin jefferson too um you know even kirk cousins if you want to go that stack but once again like this is a game that i'd much rather skinny stack and find my values on kj osborne could be one of those guys but i would want to play more players if i'm playing kj osborne than just you know trying to fade mm-hmm. it. yeah i think that osborne fits in the, the the theme of this show when you're correlating from within a game as we like kj osborne in some neutral game script or or their front running is probably not the guy you want in tournaments but we've seen multiple times over the course of his career. It's very rare. It's like the Gabe Davis big game. Once once every six months, big game, you know, and then I chase it, you know, for months and lose all my money. He, he's the, like, uh, KJ. Oh, sorry. Go sorry. I thought you no, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, he's like literally he's the exact opposite of Isaiah Hodgins. I want to play him in every cash game, I think. Like, KJ Osborne makes so much sense in cash because he's going to see a decent amount of targets. He's going to be working in an area of the field that the drug, the, the Giants struggle in. It's going to be an area that uh, he's going to see probably seven targets or so, have five receptions for, for 80 yards, and he's going to get you there in cash. Like, he's going to do enough to, to keep you from losing. <laughs> yeah, I just I just think that he makes for an interesting piece. He's kind of like the epitome from within this game where it's like, I don't know, we talked about like 10 different guys here. And and I think that this game is, again, the perfect for yeah. – I, I do think you can play some Daniel Jones. I think you can play some Kirk Cousins if you want to. A L- little bit tougher slate, even though there's bad weather, to play those quarterbacks. But I think that, you know, if you want to have a little wider quarterback pool, that's okay. But generally, I think these guys are like the core – puzzle pieces to the slate almost everyone in this game you need cheap guys to fill in we got cheap giants receivers we got cheap vikings receivers you need tight ends we got a little cheaper one in bellinger we got a little bit more expensive one that's 
theoretically better and higher upside, I guess, in TJ Hawkinson. You got two really good running backs, right? We got the best wide receiver in the NFL. We got some mid-tier wide receivers. You know, there's just however you want to fill the gaps in your lineups, I think, probably between only two or three other games, right? We stack our Geno teams or our Mahomes teams. You need that cheap wide receiver. Maybe you don't need to play MVS, right? To You don't have to have the Chief as the cheap guy. You can play the Giant or the Viking or whatever. That's kind of how I feel about this game. Anything we missed before we move on to maybe the biggest game of the week from a real-life perspective? I think we pretty much got it covered. I think, you know, final disclaimer on KJ Osborne is he did still run less routes than Thielen last week, and I think that he's probably still going to see less snaps. And so I think, like, Chase hit the nail on the head where it's going to be very game script dependent where the Vikings just ran 11 personnel all game long because they were down 33 to nothing last week. And that it, it depends on h- how things play out, but I think you want to expose yourself to that possibility. And that's why I think he's a good play, especially at current ownership. I love exposing myself. Um, no, so I did see <laughs> something. By- <laughs> oh, I got a present for you. Um, <laughs> so I do, I do see something about how the bills were actually supposed to leave uh, yesterday. They actually changed their travel plans. Uh, I didn't see any confirmation they left yesterday, but uh, they were supposed to leave yesterday. So I think that was Good. a little bit of fake news that we saw in the comments just to bring it up uh, from earlier. Good to know. Good to know. And we will, of course, MJ, if you see something or if anybody sees something, by all means, bring it up and we'll and we'll discuss. But for now, we're going to move on to what probably could have been definitely definitely would have been the biggest game of the week from a real life perspective still maybe is but of course anyone that's been living under a rock we lost Jalen Hurts this week hopefully he's back next week but um Gardner Minshew will be starting and for DFS purposes that's sounds like you know at face value you're like oh my god we're going to Gardner Minshew but he's 4800 on DraftKings which creates this crazy ripple effect really for the for the whole slate is kind of what you do with the fact that we have a near min priced quarterback who has shown upside and kind of floor in the past on a superstar uh, offense right um how we handle Gardner Minshew I think is this is not if you guys recall the Sam Ellinger week where everybody was jamming 4K Sam Ellinger into, into lineups. This is not that. This is a, a guy I feel much more, A, has a higher projection, and I feel much more confident in him you know, coming in around that projection or even higher. So, Dario, how are you thinking about just like the general impacts of Gardner Minshew coming in? Are you worried? How big of a downgrade is it? Is it a downgrade? And then obviously him at 4,800 as super chalk. What are we, what are we thinking? I mean, obviously he's a downgrade, right? Like, I think that's that's the easiest question to address. But like, like you said, he's not Sam Ellinger. He's not, uh, you know, Jeff Driscoll. He's not Kyle <laughs> Allen. Like, he's actually. I mean, he averaged 18 fantasy points per game across nine games in 2020. 16 fantasy points per game across 14 games as a rookie when he was in a much, much, much worse offensive environment for the Jaguars. So I think he's actually. Like you said, he's got a little bit of appeal in that sense. I think that, I mean, obviously he's chonky because he's like half the price of some of these other quarterbacks. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that you're going to have to play him. You could, the the stacks and the lineups that you're going to be able to get around him and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And I think that Dallas Goddard should be back this week. It sounds like yeah, all yeah. things are pointing in that direction. So, I mean... 
it, it is a tough matchup, obviously, but I think that because of the price and because of what he's going to let you do in lineups, you, you, you're just going to have to play him a, yeah, little, Chase, how, a little bit. How are you approaching Minshew? And then how do you most, you know, what's your biggest preference on any Minshew stacks? If, if you know, you can say you don't like Minshew stacks, but if, if you do, you know, it, we have three guys now, basically, plus obviously Miles Sanders, which we'll talk about that son of a bitch the last game. was miserable. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Dario knows that was my lock of the week last week on the, the big kill, man. <laughs> That was my lock. That was my dude. That was my my rock, my go-to, and, and he let me down. But uh, that's actually where, where I'll start with. So Sirianni came out immediately after the game and said, hey, we screwed up. We didn't give him the ball enough. Yeah. He fumbled one time, but, like, you know, we should have kept feeding him the rock. He said it immediately. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, now now you realize it. Jesus. I, I, I'm so mad. Jonathan Taylor, we, we just talked about the game last week with the Colts and the Vikings, and I, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to talk about Jonathan Taylor and how he broke my heart in so many redraft and dynasty leagues. And then to make it even worse is I had a lot of Miles Sanders in the same leagues that I had freaking Jonathan Taylor in. So, like, oh, man, I can't – like, I'm going to have an aneurysm if I keep talking about it. So I'm, I'm trying move forward. Moving forward, people, we're moving forward. Now, the – Miles Sanders, I think, should see the utilization. I think that we're going to see a ton of running. We're going to see them go back. Like last year, I don't know if you guys remember or not, but before Miles Sanders, in the game that Miles Sanders got hurt, they were throwing the ball for the previous four games before that, right? Just nonstop throwing the ball. Miles Sanders wasn't getting any work. And then all of a sudden, we see Miles Sanders come out and end up – my TV just turned off. Uh, we see Miles Sanders come out and – absolutely destroy the Tampa Bay Buccaneers until like by halftime or right around halftime or third quarter, maybe he ends up getting hurt from that point on, from the Tampa Bay game on, we saw them utilize Miles Sanders a ton. And we've seen it this season, you know, to an extent we've seen him get up what over 140 yards, I think in two straight games. Uh, he had a bad week last week. They, they got caught up in the moment and didn't run the ball enough. So we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I don't think that happens this week. And I think that's a great way to leverage off is of, of Gardner Minshew is because, or is due to the fact that Miles Sanders isn't involved in the passing game. You can play Miles Sanders solo. And, and that might be the only way that you can go about playing the, the Eagles side of things. Now, this is where Gardner Minshew could actually work, right? Is if the Cowboys end up going up, um, they end up getting into a, a bunch of third and long situations, you know, having to throw Dakota Prescott goes and throws a bunch of interceptions. Like he can tend to do from time to time, especially when, when the pressure's on in third and long situations. And uh, you start to see Gardner Minshew with short field position, right? And Gardner Minshew goes out and throws four touchdowns while throwing for 180 yards um, by using the weapons that he has. The other way that he could work out is getting the yards after the catch. So of course, you want to get the the AJ Brown stack into this lineup. You know, there are a few other guys that I think are interesting, but if you're playing Gardner Minshew, I don't know how he doesn't do it without AJ Brown. You have to play AJ Brown if you're playing Gardner Minshew. I, I think that, that Devonta Smith could still be an option, but I just saying like, you're going to need yards after the catch. You're going to need, you know, utilization from these receivers in terms of not just going downfield and trying to catch 15 yard passes. Cause that's not where Gardner Minshew thrives in, but I'm more so looking at this game as to like, Hey, I want to play the Cowboy side of things in the receiving game. Okay. Like I understand that that's like, you have, a very good secondary over there for the Eagles, but where they do end up struggling the most is out of the slot. Uh, they have a backup safety coming in. He's, he's playing. So I like Dalton Schultz, right? I like playing some CD lamb in there, mixing that in. And I like playing Dak Prescott. I want to fade the running backs as a whole. I want to fade Tony Pollard and I want to fade Ezekiel Elliott because after they got run all over, right? The, the, the Eagles got run all over by the commanders. They went out and they signed Linville Joseph and they signed in Dominica Sue. Right. And it took them a couple weeks to get adjusted because they signed in midweek. So they weren't ready for that game. And then the next game, they were still getting worked into the lineup. This allowed their defensive line to start to rotate to get fresh bodies in there. The next four games, they shut down guys like I think it was Saquon Barkley. I think they shut down Derrick Henry. Uh, four games where they didn't allow more than like 60 rushing yards, I, I believe it was, to a, an opposing running back. They've been very, very, very good. And with the Cowboys, they're going to come in, they're going to try and run it off the bat because that's what they do. And they get stubborn. They try to run it and up until they're down and they're losing. And now you're going to see an opportunity for, of course, Miles Sanders, who we talked about to get a ton of, of work in the rushing game because the Eagles might be up at this point, a ton of interceptions. And then by the third quarter, we could see Dak Prescott just, just heaving the ball as often as he can. So I want to get some CeeDee Lamb. I want to get some Dalton Schultz with Dalton Schultz seeing some work up against a, a backup uh, safety, most likely, because that's how the Eagles like to run things. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play this game and I'm, I'm going to play it pretty heavily in terms of like the Cowboys passing game and hope that I can fade off of the, the Pollard truthers out there and the, the big time <laughs> Pollard fans. <laughs> Dario, I what uh, you off on that one. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fine. Dario, what uh, uh, I, I was just going to add, 
the the move from Hertz to Minshew, the first thing I thought this could mean absolutely nothing, but was was kind of what Chase originally started to to touch on with the AJ Brown versus Devonta Smith. It sounds crazy to say this because AJ Brown looks like you know the Derrick Henry of wide receivers, this freaking mutant you know, Ultron looking dude out there at wide receiver, just uh, a monster. And Devonta Smith is, you know, 160 pounds or whatever. Skinny Batman. Yeah. But he is, has been this insanely efficient, like go route type player. Devonta Smith is making contested catches. He's Jalen hurts. Just throws hero balls. Now he does that to AJ Brown too, but AJ Brown is more of the, I mean, look what he did with the Titans and he's done it with the Eagles as well this year. Right. Get get him the get the ball in his hands. Get him on the move. Get the yak rolling, and that's where he cooks. It's not that Devonta can't run after catch. Of course he can. He, he, he's a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver. He's pretty good at football. But he has actually been the guy that has most benefited from Hurts kind of doing a lot of hero ball. I mean, that's what got him in trouble last week. They just came. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders didn't touch the ball till six minutes left in the second quarter because Hertz went back to pass and just threw nothing but bombs for a quarter yeah. and a half. They're all incomplete, so they never had the ball. And like, but that benefits Devonta's upside. Of course, it benefits everyone's. But I do feel like AJ Brown is a little bit more of a better fit with Minshew. I don't know what you think about that. And then um, I want to hear about your Cowboys thoughts as well. Yeah, I think I I would agree with you guys on the AJ Brown move. I also think that. Dallas Goddard is intriguing for that same reason. Yeah, Targets yeah, are going to be closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, I'm surprised, Chase, that you're kind of fading Pollard. I think that in a game that it's gonna they're gonna have a tough time running the ball between the tackles. I do expect to see probably a little bit more creative Tony Pollard touches. Tony Pollard's target share has been really consistent. I mean, with how his price and his ownership are, he kind of just has to get at least one touchdown, if not two to deliver for you. I think that's the biggest argument against him, but I think that everything else about Tony Pollard just screams like we, you know, we got to play this guy. So in in terms of that, like I I think that when you end up having a comparison in terms of like backfields, right. You have the, the green Bay Packers who have AJ Dillon and and Aaron Jones, right. Aaron Jones, you know, typically they do use him in the middle. I'm not going to say like he's just on the outside or anything like that, but he's more of the, the creative back where you can actually use his speed to, to bounce around the outside. And the Packers do like to use AJ Dillon on the outside as well. So I'm not trying to discount that, but if there's a comparison in the two backfields, I think that that's a pretty somewhat accurate comparison in terms of usage wise. And they limited Aaron Jones, to like 12 carries, I believe for like 40 yards. So, I mean, it's just hard to get efficiency generated ever since they brought in these two interior tackles because now they can use their bigger guys on the outside instead of focusing on having those guys who should be on the edges, uh, you know, blitz up the middle. It's just allowed a a more healthy rotation, and it's created a lot of issues for these running backs. Actually, I have it up right here. We have uh, the Packers up against the Eagles in Week 12. Aaron Jones had 43 rushing yards. A.J. Dillon had 64. He had one breakaway run on that one. Uh, Derek Henry, 11 for 30 yards. Uh, we have yeah. Saquon Barkley, 9 for 28. And then David Montgomery got lucky last week with a couple touchdowns, but 12 for 53. You know, I, I, I'm not saying that Tony Pollard can't be played. I just would rather opt for the receiving game on this one. I yeah, think I the mean, hardest – sorry, Dario, I was just going to say, I think the hardest part about Pollard for me is not even as much about Pollard. Um, I like uh, all the insight that that Chase gave. It's kind of – about the running backs in a lot of the games we're probably not even going to touch on too much in the slate, right? We talked mm-hmm. about earlier, like, how do you get CMC, right? And I know he's more expensive, but Pollard has Pollard's 
been so good, his price has kind of closed that gap between him and CMC, between him and Saquon, between him and, I mean, he's basically the same price as Dalvin Cook, between him and the big dog, right? He's closed that gap so much, and it's like, if I'm going to spend that, just give me Christian McCaffrey. You know what I mean? Give yeah. me Derrick Henry against the Texans. Uh, Saquon, probably. Give me those guys, I think. I think that's the hardest part with with Pollard for me, not just like, I mean, I am a, I am one of those Pollard truthers, you know, so it's not that hard to talk me into him. But I think the problem is just the positional thing. Whereas wide receiver, of course, we like Justin Jefferson, what's, you know, et cetera. But I don't know that receiver is that strong, right? When half your games are out in the winter wonderland, there's not that many awesome wide receivers to target. So I actually feel like wide receiver is where we can get a little funky. And, and I think I'm glad you brought up Goddard. I like to, you know, when we talk with Matt a lot, he always wants to see a week before we get back from an injury. I think Dario outlined on Jamar Chase, the first week Jamar Chase was back, that I think we can be smart about how we do it and not just, you know, use that rule every single time when the, when the guy is telling us he's 100%, when they, you know, the team is telling us he's 100%. Goddard could have come back last week, yeah, technically. And they, they held him out for another week, I would assume, to make sure that he's actually fully healthy. Um, I think Goddard might almost be, probably other than Miles Sanders, be my favorite Eagles way to play this. But um, we got a couple more games to hit on. Is there anything else in this one that yeah, we've I mean, missed? Gallup, uh, any, anything like that? Yeah, I'll add this. It looks like, I yeah, Dallas Goddard was actually officially activated. And then turns out in... Gardner Minshew's one start last year, Dallas Goddard had six catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns. So, I, yeah, I think Love this it. is a case where you probably don't want to, you don't need to apply that rule of waiting a week to see what he's going to give you because we know that he's explosive. And I think that the biggest reason they didn't activate him last week was because they were like, dude, we're playing the Bears. Like, don't re injure <laughs> yourself in this game that we're already, we've already gotten the bag. Yes, exactly. Um, so let's hit. Uh, so this next grouping of games, I would say, we definitely have one we want to touch on here at the end of our list, and then maybe a couple others that we can just like sprinkle in a quick, a quick note or two about because they either have weather, you know, or or whatever. But Bengals and Patriots is this weird game where I could both see this having like tons of fantasy goodness, right? Obviously, there's Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Joe Burrow and everything on one side, Joe Mixon, um. Uh, we did get word that Hayden Hurst got downgraded to out today. So no, no Hayden Hurst back yet this week. And on the Patriots side, it's not so much that I'm really excited for any of these guys in this matchup, but like everybody is cheap, I guess, outside of Ramondre. Everybody is cheap. There's appealing runbacks to Burrow stacks. There's some of that salary filler like we were talking about with the Isaiah Hodgins and stuff of the world. You can also get some of those guys with the Patriots. So it's it's a it's a weird game where I'm not like oh my god I can't wait to jam game stacks of this but there are still a lot of appealing plays Chase how's what's your kind of favorite thing to look to in this Bengals Patriots game So this is where it gets like a little like weird for me right because like Jamar Chase is what averaging like 11 targets per game at this point he's just getting peppered with targets like constantly and the bigger thing is like what does targets look like when he's in man coverage when the defense plays man uh, I think he sees like zone coverage like he sees like 23% target share when he sees man coverage he gets like 34% if I remember correctly target share uh, 
Joe Burrow just likes to feed him over and over and over again because he's such a phenomenal athlete. He's like, "Yo, you guys are gonna play man? Let's get to this. Let's let's play some ball." And he just feeds him over and over again. Rogers and Devontae, and when he sees press man on the outside, it's it's just like what Rogers used to do with Devontae. They just look at each other like, "Yeah, you're getting the ball, and there's nothing the defense can do to stop you." That's (laughs) what it's like with these two. But I mean, the Patriots have actually been really good up against the primary receivers, right? That's where I'm kind of like. Uh, do I really want to go this route because they have been shutting the receivers down. We know the Patriots will take one person away on the whole team. And that one person will not get, you know, more than a handful of targets. They're not going to get more than a handful of receptions because that defense is locked in on, on that dude. And I, I'm a little bit nervous that it could be Jamar chase this week. I think that Jamar chase will see the targets, but will it actually amount to any kind of high level of efficiency? And I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to let Joe Mixon run. I think that they're going to let, T. Higgins play one-on-one coverage on the outside. I think they're going to let Tyler Boyd see one-on-one coverage. And so for that reason, like if I decide to attack this game and I haven't made a full decision yet, like if I'm going to go hard at this game or not, because it could end up being a high scoring game. It could also just be a complete, you know, whatever, like fizzle out. Um, I need to figure out exactly how I'm going to go about. I'm either going to play Higgins and Boyd, which means that I have to play Joe Burrow. Or do I just run out like Jamar Chase with with Burrow Higgins, Jamar Chase with with Boyd and and Burrow? Or do I just play Jamar Chase and take this as a skinny stack? So for me, I'm not going to play Higgins solo. Like I'm not going to just throw Higgins into lineup to feel good about it. I'm not going to play Boyd in a lineup to just feel good about it and just to have action in this game. And I'm not going to do that with Joe Mixon either. I don't think I'm going to have any Joe Mixon. But Jamar Chase is a guy that I can throw into other lineups if I have extra salary and I, you know, I play a Gardner Minshew type stack. I can play Jamar Chase completely naked. Like I don't want a run back. I don't want anything like that. I'll just play Jamar Chase. Now, if I do attack this game and I want to get into it, I think that Nelson Aguilar is actually interesting here. I think that the Bengals have a good, great secondary, right? But Nelson Aguilar has seen like a 19%, I believe, target share over the, the past few weeks. Uh, he, he's getting targets. The issue is he's not catching anything. He has like a 40% <laughs> like catch rate. Like, so it, this is a weird conundrum for me, right? Because I like to take players that, that are lower down, like these gross players. And I like to see their efficiency extrapolated, essentially. Like if they were going to get looks or if they were going to face a bad defense or this. This is normally, this is a, a Jacob thing where Jacob will actually go in and he'll talk about, oh, he's seen the air yards he's seeing this he's seeing that this is not typically where i go but i could see a way that it actually happens so if i think this game is going to be high scoring you obviously have to play Ramondre stevenson if he plays right because you're going to have to see breakaway runs you're going to have to see the, the offense generated somehow and it's not going to go through mac jones mac jones is going to go out there and throw for four touchdowns and and have you know jacob myers score 25 fantasy points nelson Aguilar score 20 points but if you think this can be a shootout i think you do have to play one wide receiver from this offense and I think that Nelson Aguilar is a sneaky way to get leverage on, on this game because I don't think anybody's going to be playing him. Uh, and I think that he's a guy that could, you know, if he gets lucky, if, if these targets are actually accurate and he can actually catch a freaking ball, that we've seen Nelson Aguilar in the past with, with, the, uh, with the Raiders give us weak winning like or weak performances that are, that win us the entire contest and break the slate, especially towards the end of the season when the playoffs are on the line. It, it's a weird thing that he just turns on and all of a sudden he's good. Right, we we saw it with the Eagles, we saw it with the Raiders. Let's see if it happens with the Patriots. So, I want to play Ramondre Stevenson if he plays. If he doesn't, I'll, I'll try to to pivot around and figure out exactly what running back I want to play. Because if this isn't the case, then I'm probably going to fade this game because there's no way that the Bengals are going to be putting Jamar Chase and T Higgins at, at risk if they're up by two or three touchdowns with the playoffs, you know, coming in here shortly. 
For mm-hmm. sure. Any anytime somebody mentions anything about Nelson Aguilar not being able to catch, I cannot get that video clip of the guy yeah. that was like catching babies or whatever. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever the, I forget exactly what the verbiage is, but it just cracks me up every single time. Yeah, so, like, and, I think he was like, oh, I was catching him unlike Aguilar or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So good. So good. And so just absolutely perfect that uh, you're like, well, <laughs> Aguilar's getting all this volume. Everything looks great, except he can't catch. He can't catch the ball. I was like, no, no, Nelson Aguilar, no, no, no chance. The anti Isaiah Hodgins, you're like literally your your breakdown of Isaiah Hodgins was spot on. Catches everything, does his job, and the, yeah, this this guy. Thank you so so. This this guy gets me. Oh man, that got me pretty good. Uh, the Christmas giggles going on over here, but I do think that. The Patriots receivers are interesting. Simil- it's it's kind of a similar situation, except these guys, I don't know if they're better, probably better talent than the Giants guys. A little bit more unclear opportunity, I think I would say, with uh, I guess it looks like Jacoby Myers is going to be back. But then, I mean, I like all four of these guys from a talent perspective. I don't think Kendrick Bourne's really going to get to be playable. I'm not sure that Taekwon is either, but there's lots of opportunity here. And if the Bengals do push them, right, so you make that team – like like you just mentioned, I played Jamar Chase or whatever. I, I do think I want to use one of these guys as a bring back or, you know, Ramondre, like you said, or I could talk myself into a Hunter Henry or something like that as well. But I think that the Patriots make for this, again, like kind of skinny stacks or just natural bring backs that give you the salary again, right? Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James and those guys work so well. Daniel Bellinger works so well because, A, they have opportunity and upside at their cost, but then when you stack them up with this game scenario that you're playing out in your lineup. It just, everything fits together really well. So I don't have a lot to really say super uh, positively about the Patriots, except for like they're good chess pieces in, in, in tournament lineups. I think Dario, anything we missed on Patriots Bengals. I think I would add that Ramondre Stevenson may not have the backfield all to himself. It looks like Damian Harris could return this week. Things are trending in the right direction for him. So that kind of muddies things up for Ramondre a lot in my opinion I think there's a chance that he gets a lot less volume on the ground but we both know that what makes Ramondre most valuable is getting those targets and even though last week was a bit of a down week for him in that regard I still think he's basically become the James White in New England where he's going to be getting six eight targets in a game just like you know like it's nothing so I think you guys are right that he's probably the most appealing piece on the Patriots side And I think, yeah, this is actually going to be Jamar Chase's first game against Bill Belichick. So we haven't seen how Bill Belichick is going to decide to defend Jamar Chase. I think that it's a really interesting situation because the Patriots are really good in man coverage and they play man coverage at an above average rate compared to the rest of the league. So it's like, do you do you stick with what your defense seems to be good at and risk exposing yourself to Jamar Chase being, you know, the best receiver in that particular scenario one on one? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of just something we'll have to wait and see how Belichick decides to play it. But I think, I think it's another. Guys... It, it, sorry, I was just going to say to add to your point on Chase. It's just another example of I want to kind of go away from what the field is kind of thinking, right? Because you just outlined, both of you have outlined that like there's a there's a very clear path here to Jamar Chase just carving up. Right, you can't just sit back and play you know single man coverage against jamar chase a he's going to earn an absurd amount of volume because joe burrow just looks to him and b when he earns it he's really efficient because 
shocker, he's really goddamn good against yeah. man coverage. Now we have this narrative. That's not, it's not just a narrative. It's a thing that has happened historically with the Patriots taking away, right? Someone on the opposing offense, right? They would do it to Tyreek, et cetera. I, 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 if I were a betting man, I would say Bill's like, uh, yeah, I, I'll let that Tyler Boyd fella beat me. Not, not Jamar Chase. Right. Yeah. But that's what everybody's probably going to think. Right. When everybody's going to go spend their money on this DFS slate, it's like I can play Justin Jefferson or AJ Brown or CD Lamb or whatever. And Bill doubles guys. Bill's going to take Jamar Chase. If everybody assumes that, it's like you dabbling on him in tournaments makes a lot more sense, I think. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think his own, you were, you were talking about guys whose ownership, right? Juju's ownership might get a little higher, Kelsey's or whatever. If anything, I think the Chase number goes down from, yeah, this, I mean, from this 10%. Chase at 10% just feels like. Um, you have to play. What we, like, did we forget that he's care. Jamar Chase? Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't care what the matchup is. I don't care about anything. When Jamar Chase is ten or ten percent or sub ten percent, I just think you have to have a little bit of him. It's like when portfolio. nobody wanted to play Devonte Adams anymore near the middle of this season, and then he went. Yeah, on that was awesome. Insanely historic run. He had thirty fantasy points in the first half of that game, and everybody was like, "Oh, it's over. The Raiders think it's just Josh Jacobs or whatever." Um. I do actually, I know we will move on from this game. We wanted to touch really quickly on the Bills game. I actually wanted to touch really quickly on that Vegas and um, Steelers game. The weather is um, is that yellow, that, That's the Saturday night game. I didn't think yeah. that was on it's the Saturday night. Uh, yeah, I would have, I would have ran with that one. I love that that matchup. Ignore, I'm going to play a lot of captains uh, or you know single single game plays in that one. Ignore, ignore me. I had my I had the wrong. Uh, uh, Injury or, or not injury, weather report up here. So ignore me. But if you're playing that slate, I actually really like that game. Uh, I love Deontay it. Johnson. We got to see if Deontay Johnson's playing. But pretty pretty fun game for tournaments. We wanted to talk about the Bills. I don't even know what to say about this game. It, it is it's a situation where the Bills are playing the Bears in Chicago. The weather is absolutely horrendous. I I live down by St. Louis. And they have it like much worse than than we do down here. And like I can't even step foot outside my house. Now I'm not a big, strong, tough NFL football player, but it is the wind is absurd and it's miserable outside. And so I, I just can't fathom a situation in which I see either team throwing a bunch and having like crazy success through the air. But also we we kind of thought this about a Bills game not that long ago, a week ago where everybody said, oh, my God, this weather, all this snow, nobody's going to pass or whatever. And there was like 60 total points in the Bills and Dolphins game. Not saying I'm projecting that, but I think we should at least discuss Josh Allen, you know, Diggs, Gabe Davis, or maybe Singletary or, you know, Dawson Knox. Something about the Bills could pop off here if the weather is not quite as bad as we think. Uh, What do you think about this one, Dario? I think Dawson Knox has really drawn my attention. The last couple of weeks, he's been getting pretty solid target shares, has a touchdown each of the last two weeks. He's kind of supplanting Gabe Davis as Josh Allen's preferred secondary target, at least these last couple of weeks, it seems. So I think that at, I think he's what, 4,300 this week. I think you definitely got to be playing some Dawson Knox if you're going to be targeting Josh Allen and if you're going to be targeting this game. And I think the weather only feeds into that narrative even more because who's going to like how deep are the targets going to be if there's 30, 40, 50 mile an hour winds? It's not going to be 50 yard bombs to Gabe Davis. It's going to be, you know, eight to 12 yard throws underneath more likely to be toward Dawson Knox, only 4,100 on DraftKings. So I think he's definitely the biggest kind of um, standout in my eyes. Any, uh, I know that you're, you know, definitely in on the the terribleness 
of this weather. Any Devin Singletary or or running, you know, a, a sprinkle of James Cook or anything, right? If we're expecting tons of runs, I mean, theoretically, you could say the Bears are going to load the box, but like, I'm not sure that even in the bad weather that they're going to load the box against Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, which means somebody in the run game against this horrendous Bears defense is probably going to have some some success despite the bad weather. Yeah, I think I would agree with you there that there's going to be some appeal for Singletary and for Cook. I think that Singletary is kind of like we thought he was being phased out. There was that week where James Cook had like one more carry and slightly more snaps. And then it kind of reverted back to like, especially last week in a, in a tight game against a tough team where they really had to win it. They just said, Hey, we, we trust Evan Singletary and they left him out there and he got the usage. I don't think he found the end zone no. last week, but he, he's, I think he's kind of like the Jarek McKinnon to the builds that, um, you know, where Isaiah Pacheco is the James Cook, where it's like, depending on how far ahead we are and the game script, we'll see how much we trust the rookie. But then the yeah. other guy is the one that they kind of feel more comfortable leaning on and who is also have has a chance of getting those two touchdown games. Great. That's a really good comparison. Obviously, McKinnon has flashed seemingly a little bit more upside and I guess probably a little more upside. But if you remember last year, Devin Singletary down the stretch was a fantasy monster. He was yeah. absolutely dominating for the Bills. And so I know the weather's not ideal, but I, I, that's what keeps sticking out to me is like this game feels like that, where it's like down the stretch, they were just like, screw it, Singletary, you know, go. we're going to give you 20 touches here. Go grind us out a win because Josh Allen's also dealing with an elbow injury. It's like, why would you expose in these elements in a game you're probably going to win against a crappy team? Uh, Josh Allen to more hits, you know, mm. and I've, we say that all the time and NFL teams don't give a shit and Josh Allen, you know, is still getting goal line carries, but I just think it's a, it's a potential situation where um, we don't have a lot of cheap running backs and we have ones on the best offense in the NFL against the bears. So that's appealing chase. What did, what did we miss on this game? What are you liking? So I actually do like this game to an extent because I don't think anybody's going to play it, right? So, like, you'll see 1% ownership on all these guys. And Josh Allen, I don't know if you guys remember last year, you know, I ended up winning a ton of money on this one because I took the under on everything before they started showing videos all over the place of <laughs> the, the weather from the snowstorm against the Patriots. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty, like, just bizarre how insane it was. They were dealing with 35-mile-an-hour winds with gusts up to 15. Uh, there was, like, what – 10 feet of snow or whatever it was. Yeah. And Josh Allen still, I mean, it wasn't a great game, right? It was like 150 yards or something like that. 15 completions on 30 attempts, but Josh Allen actually throws the ball differently. He has a different method method for throwing when it's cold out um, that allows him to kind of have con more control over the ball, which I don't think that necessarily like, it's like, Oh, well, Josh Allen can, can get you 300 yards or anything like that. I just think that we could still see volume over there in the passing game. And that might not be as close to the line of scrimmage as what we think. I mean, Gabriel Davis, I think had like two receptions for 40 yards and, and a touchdown in, in that snowstorm game. Um, Josh Allen ended up having like six rushing attempts, I think for like 40 yards. So like, it wasn't a great game overall, but up against the bears who are just terrible on pretty much every front, whether it's up against the, the running backs up against the wide receivers. I mean, like if we see a game where Justin Fields can actually scramble and get you some yards, I think that we might be able to find some fantasy options on the other side of the ball that could be relevant, such as like you guys brought up uh, Devin Singletary, possibly Dawson Knox. I, you know, I, I hate putting my money on Dawson Knox because he's so touchdown dependent. Um, but you know, possibly Dawson Knox. I, I like some James Cook this week. If we decide to, to keep it close to the line of scrimmage, you know, maybe he'll see some receptions. Um, 
I know that, that the Bears play a little bit more zone, but they do play some man. They might switch it up to man if they end up having to uh, put a spy on Josh Allen. So we could see Isaiah McKenzie possibly get some work. I mean, I, th- that's a gross one. I don't want to go Isaiah McKenzie, but um, <laughs> like his run is done. His run finished uh, last week. But All right, um, yep. yeah, so I, I, I want to play some fields in this. I, I want to play some Singletary in this. You know, Montgomery is gross, but like I could see Montgomery, Cole Komet possibly getting some work. This is something where like I'll play like 5% of my lineups just to like say Hail Mary. I'm like, dude, okay, like I, I want to play Justin Fields in this freezing cold weather because he's not going to be able to throw. Nobody else is going to be able to run. We're going to see him put up 150 rushing yards with two touchdowns. And guess what? That gets you there. Like that gets you, mm-hmm. you know, to where you want to be in most cases. So I'll take that and, uh, and I'll run it back with, uh, with some of these options in the receiving game. You know, or one option in the receiving game. Give me a skinny yeah. stack. I, I think I would just to close this one. Now, I will preface this by saying I didn't play KJ Osborne on this slate, so it's not like I won all the money. But th- in this somewhat similar situation, last week it was a three-game Saturday slate for anyone that didn't play this this Bill uh, Bills Dolphins game. The no, so the total originally opened at like forty-seven and a half or something like that. They took the total off the board once they saw the weather and they were probably getting the books are probably getting hammered on the, on the under they reposted at 42 and everybody's like, Oh my God, they're going to get six feet of snow. There's wind, you know, this game's going to be terrible for fantasy. And then just like, as the game got closer and closer to kickoff, right. They cleared the field of the snow. It really wasn't that bad. There wasn't actually even any precipitation during the game. It was a little windy, but not that bad. And we get 60 points and the rain and everything holds off till the end, the very, very end of the game. I'm of course, I'm not a weatherman. I trust Kevin Roth. Go look at his weather reports. (laughs) That's better than I can do. But I'm saying there's always variance in this stuff. Kevin would tell you that himself. He would say, look, sometimes the wind just kind of dies a little bit for the right. Maybe the rain stops for two hours and the wind's only like 20 miles an hour. And we all look at it like we didn't play any 1% own bills in this game like what the hell were you doing you know against the bears and so i'm not saying go all in i like what chase said set you know if you play 150 set a few lineups aside and be like maybe the weather's actually okay here because if it is there's not that many games to target on this slate yeah nobody's gonna have them and you're only competing with like chiefs and eagles and cowboys it's like that's the dream that's that's what that's what you want to happen in dfs so i do want to add one more thing in real quick uh, the bill or the the Bears haven't been involved in a game that hit under forty point five in eight straight games. The the Bills all season have only been involved in four games that hit under forty point five. So if this if it's clean, if it's not like all nasty like you know we're expecting to be, but I mean I'm looking at it saying mostly cloudy, low chance of precipitation on the weather report that I'm looking at, like. It, they're not going to hit below 40.5. There's going to be touchdowns to be had. And a lot of that is going to come from Justin Fields. So like, I, I, I will never fade Justin Fields uh, in, in DFS. I won't do it. I think it's DFS suicide. And, and just another thing on that and all of these games, as we start to close, we have a lot of assumptions about the weather right now, but things do change, right? Make sure you go back and check. We have an NFL weather page on Roto Grinders. Um, or, you know, if you think you're your own meteorologist, do your thing. But I'd be checking, be checking these. Get, like I would be checking it like all the way leading up close to kickoff because the best tournament plays. Like I don't know, Josh Allen to Gabe and Diggs, whatever could end up actually being the best tournament plays if the weather clears up and no one goes back to him. It could be the worst. AJ Brown and Devonta Smith did to the Bears yeah. last week. 
Yeah, I mean, my God, Jalen Hurts played the worst game of his season and everybody scored 30 famous. All, all those guys went absolutely nuts. So just monitor that weather. That's really all. I, that's the whole point around that game and all of the games. What we always do before we get out of here is we kind of go down the row and pick out our one conviction tournament call for this week. And since Chase is the guest, the our, our honored guest, you get to go first, and then I'll just steal something that you said at the end. But what is the one thing that people need to have in their tournament lineups? It can be an individual player. It can be like a, a specific stack. But what's the one thing that you're centering your tournament play around this week? Oh, man. Okay, this this is a little bit of a twist. I wasn't expecting this. I thought you know we were <laughs> going to give a locus like a player. Um, I think this week it's it's important to have variance across your lineups because if, if one of these games, like the Chiefs-Seahawks one, ends up, completely dissipating um then it could be any one of these games that actually performs and gives you that that high scoring total that you want i mean like i think the chef have variance but in terms of like a a player that that i want to surround myself with it's going to be jk dobbins uh they have tyler huntley playing at quarterback like this is going to give him an excellent opportunity to see uh breakaway runs to to be heavily involved in the offense and tyler huntley to an extent does dump it down the running back so maybe we see some receptions as well the the bigger factor is the falcons have allowed at least 100 yards rushing to the running back position in five of the past seven games and if we start to see turnovers from desmond ritter with short field positions i wouldn't doubt jk dobbins coming away with like three touchdowns this week love it i love it uh i uh am biased because i have jk dobbins tagged in lineup hq as one of my conviction plays of the week so i will take anyone agreeing with me uh whether you and i are right or wrong but i love jk dobbins this week 100 agree dario what you got yeah i think for me it's looking like juju smith schuster is the way Damn to it. go i should have went first <laughs> we you know we, we we highlighted him when we were talking about this game and i just think he's had a very significant role with patrick mahomes and for whatever reason He's been under the radar since he came back from his injury. He hasn't had that crazy huge game yet, but this game is the, is probably our favorite one on the slate, and I think he's my favorite weapon in our favorite game. So, you know, by extension, play some Juju this week. Love it. Love Juju. We're all team Juju here, apparently, this week. And, you know, Matt's not here, so somebody's got to pick up the, uh, the Khalif Raymond of the week. And uh, I- I'm going to go with the... Brandon's guy, the Olympic sprinter, Marquise Goodwin. Isaiah Hodgins can be the ESB of the week. He can be the he can be the 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 the, the secondary uh, punt, gross gross punt of the week. But Marquise Goodwin on the other side of that that juju play, I just think for such a cheap price with the elevated role for Tyler Lockett, understand small concerns here and there from his injuries and whatnot but you just get massive upside i mean the role he's been starting to carve out has been nice even when tyler lockett's been in and now he's competing with a banged up noah fant will disley and laquan treadwell they can't throw it to dk metcalf on every single play and the chiefs probably have an idea that they're going to throw it to dk metcalf a little bit so i just think the everything is lining up for a super cheap marquis parent with juju play mahomes gino whatever get your jk dobbins in that running back spot which is uh, really high upside play, but also really not expensive. He's 5,800 on on DraftKings. And then we got you a shell, a shell of a lineup here to start. You can do a lot of fun things with a J.K. Dobbins, Juju, Marquise Goodwin start to your teams. So that's going to get us out of here. We will, of course, 
be back. I assume Matt will be back unless he's taking another long, you know, uh, trip to go change his tires or whatever the hell he does uh, every Friday. But uh, we'll be back in week in week 17. So uh, we'll see you guys. You know, work the season's closing out. Good luck in your season long leagues, of course. Good luck in your best ball semifinals and good luck on the week 16 DFS slate. We'll see you guys next week. 